0: welcome back to your listeners to the dish with dina podcast thank you so much for joining us again my guest today is joanna ardeline the ceo of work life balance academy and international best-selling author of Burnout 911, The Ultimate Guide to Work-Life Balance. Not only do we dish about recognizing and avoiding burnout, but we also discuss ways to negotiate everything in our professional and personal lives. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Welcome, Joanna Ardeline, to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to spend with me. And I'm so excited to learn more about you. Would you like to tell our listeners how we know each other, how we met?
1: Yes, and thank you so much for the invite.
0: I'm excited
1: and honored to be here with you. And I'm excited to talk about all things food and beyond But I believe the two of us met in the uh, Facebook group of Amy Potterfield, who is somebody I've followed for a little bit of time. Uh, She teaches how to grow your audience and how to create a course. And so that's on the horizon for me. And I'm so glad we got connected because here we are talking.
0: I am excited to Amy Porterfield, for anyone who doesn't know, is an online marketing guru. She's been world-renowned, and I appreciated the fact that she allowed us to work in that environment in almost a very, it was a very live, real-time, not necessarily hands-off, self-paced. So it gave us the opportunity to engage in real-time conversations. And I often am just amazed at As often as you can, take advantage of connecting with new people. You never know where your paths will cross, what will lead you in what direction. Be open to experiencing new relationships. And, you know, there's always new friends and new colleagues that can be made and met through life. So thank you for being one of those new people for me, Joanna. Tell us a little bit about the earliest food or childhood memories that you have around mealtime, what that felt like, what those dynamics were, who were the people surrounding you? Those memories are back in a different country, right? We're talking in the
1: U.S. now. That a childhood for me happened back in Romania, Eastern Europe. Um, and I had an amazing um, childhood, very free. The favorite times were at my grandma's house, right, around the summer a break or for easter or christmas and there are goodies everywhere uh, like they typically are for holidays and a lot of uh, kids there who were doing the same thing coming to their grandma's house for the holidays so we would gather together and for instance uh, on christmas to go caroling in the entire village and had we had such amazing time and go sledding and whatever not on Uh, basically the roads in the village because it was a little bit more remote, no cars or anything like that. Um, Great times. I have great memories from back then.
0: I have brought this up in many of the other episodes I've done where my mom, dad, myself, and my brother, we lived upstairs, downstairs in a two family home from my grandparents. And my brother was much younger. We actually moved out of that house into a different house, not too far away, but we used to go visit my grandma and the family that Uh, Was more immediate to us every single Sunday. And I would be in the kitchen helping her out. They actually not just encouraged, it was almost mandated that whoever's in the house has to play a role with setting the table or helping, you know, mind whatever was on the stove, provided that we were old enough to, to. be in the kitchen in that way did you have involvement in the foods that were cooked yes and
1: and that's a great point because that's where the magic is right when we come together and put food together and yes so it, like you're saying it was almost mandated right <laughs> that you're doing some of the work uh, but It was amazing because that's how you learn, right? And it's all surrounded by love and family together and having a great time. So I really didn't mind. I'll share just one piece, right? So again, my roots are back in Europe and the cookies that we make there are out of this world. They take a long time to prepare but they're delicious. Uh, you don't really find them as much here in the U.S., and I totally miss that. Like they they take days to make. That's how long, right? So they're stages. You make them in stages, and and the filling, right? Do You first set the the layers or whatever, and then the filling the next day, and then there is a top that goes on that. So it's a process, right? And we would be part of that. That's the I guess the most ones that I enjoyed because they were sweet, of course. And as a kid, (laughs) I loved the cookies, Uh, but they're absolutely delicious.
0: You are reminding me, we have a few things in different holidays. So my family is from Italy. My mom, dad, and my uh, grandparents, uh, they were all born and raised there. And then they eventually migrated to New Jersey in the East Coast of the United States. And you're reminding me because we had during Easter time, which at the time of this recording, we're coming upon Easter, but we've we've now broken a lot of these traditions because like you said it's very time intensive some of these things that we put together the easter breads proofing rising punching it down putting it back in the fridge taking it out of the fridge adding the different layers to it and then at christmas time too we had a filled type of fritter and it was made funnily enough it was made out of chocolate and chickpeas and now I come across like chocolate hummus that is being sold in the supermarkets and we used to painstakingly take off the skins of every single chickpea and it was just like I mean our hands would be looking like we sat inside of a pool for 20 hours the way they were just waterlogged and you're bringing back some memories for me but of course as families grew as people passed away it was just like, who has the time to do any of this stuff anymore? But there was something really cathartic, I guess, yeah. about taking, playing that role. And then also, again, being involved in those traditions that we just don't get anymore. And I think I want to maybe pick up from that discussion point and move in the direction of once you start getting older, once you start becoming more independent, once you start moving into your own responsibilities, were there any things that you were taking from that? Are there things now that you've created for yourself as recipes and traditions? And what kind of dynamic are you creating for your own family? And then we'll talk a little bit more about career and profession.
1: Sure, sounds good. Yeah, that's a great um, lead way there. And yes, I took a lot, and I think we all do, right? Those formative years, whether we recognize that or not, they really point us on a path and lead us forward from there. And that was the my case as well, for sure. So I took a lot from that. I now try to create the same thing for my kids, right? Um, it's evolved a little bit, as you said, right? Some things take a lot too long, a lot long. But um, a lot of them we can still recreate. And and I love it because my kids love that, right? And they want also to know the stories for how it was back when I was a kid, right? So now it becomes a full kind of family tradition and they can't have enough of that, right? So it just kind of fills my heart to see that. I'm like, well, this time was well worth it. Even if it took us forever (laughs) to get this done, it's well worth it. But a lot of those things... Uh, really stayed with me, right? Kind of staying with the process, and even if it takes what you might consider is a long time, it comes. There's it comes with a lot of joy, right? So it just kind of developed in me that attitude. Okay, let me see what is the bright side of this, right? Even if it feels like it takes too long, or there's so many pieces, or um, it's hard to get everybody together, or whatever might be these days when we're too busy. Uh, it's still worth it right when, when you put that together it's like wow yes this was worth it and that goes right back to those formative years right where we apparently back then we did have the time for some reason now we don't but it's up here it, it's not time is time right it's still 24 hours that you have we're just 2 we've created this lives for ourselves where we're just rushing and running every day. And so it's beautiful when you step back and find those times to just debrief and and spend time with the family and those that are near and dear to your heart and get that joy. It's all worth it.
0: And this brings me to going into your current profession and also what led you in the direction of even we'll talk to you about the book that you had written also. Where was the switch? What happens? We all have 24 hours. Okay, granted. We didn't have cell phones back in the day or the internet, but while these things you would think provide us with convenience to give us more time to do everything, we are now finding ourselves just to pack every waking moment with stuff. So share with me a little bit about your process of how you've been recognizing in humans that you come across. Because I know in your book, you had research. You have interviews that you've done as well through your own journey of going through whatever it was that was burning you out at the time too. Where, I mean, can you even pinpoint what, what things happen that switch? I can do it and now I can't do it anymore. I think it's helpful to take you just a little bit backwards to how my burnout
1: actually happened because it's the journey of many professionals. Unfortunately, these days, And it might resonate with somebody who's listening and find themselves in the same spot. So um, I came, so I grew up in Europe and then came over to the US and did my school and got married and had kids and all those fun things and developed a career here. As any other young professional, all I wanted was of course to grow my career and achieve my full potential and that I did but at a cost, right? I worked for, um, so right out of college, got into Coopers, one of the big four global consulting firms, then went on to one of their competitors, another big four, KPMG, then to a Fortune 500, R.R. Donnelly. And that whole um, that whole time, I was working insane hours, traveling a lot, being at work on busy seasons until 2 a.m., only to go back to the office at 8 a.m. Here's the funny part. I did not burn out when I was there. When we got pregnant with our firstborn, I realized, okay, this sort of lifestyle is not conducive to having a kid. Something's got to change. And so I uh, moved to the government sector because don't we all think government employees do nothing all day? (laughs) That's not the truth, by the way. They do more than those in the private sector with less money. But there's some things there, too, right? That bogs them down and that creates that feeling. I burned out, though after I moved to the government sector, which to me, it's funny, and and a lot of uh, folks might think that's backwards. But what was the common element in both of those environments? It sits right here. I was, it was me, right? I changed the environment because I thought, right, the crazy lifestyle and such is created outside of me. And to a certain extent surely it was right whatever the work demands the long hours and travel and all of that that was external but I brought with me my uh, mental craziness and that drive to go 100 miles an hour non-stop uh, I stayed with me even if I changed my environment and moved to a government sector so I kind of hit a little bit of a rock button um and To a certain extent, I believe that was a little bit of a divine intervention, if you will, or a sign or whatever, because I just was going 100 miles an hour straight into a bad, very bad direction. So um, this all happened when my father passed away unexpectedly. I got the call and then flew over across the ocean to be there for the funeral and the arrangements and, and be there with my family um and i took 3 days to go there right now mind you the uh travel time is 12 hours and then there's a 8 hour time difference it's 8 hours later so out of those 3 days i was truly there for a day right back and forth and i did not feel that i could take more time off because i needed to be back at work because i had important deadlines and sure yes i had deadlines but if those deadlines, that's, that's the crux of the issue, right? Those deadlines felt more important than this big event that happened in my life. And I felt like I couldn't take the time away to mourn and do whatever I needed to do around this huge event, um, which was the passing of my father. And, and he was also the last parent I had alive. So on the flyback, and I want to share this real fast on the fly back is where I woke up from a life of going through the motions. Um, we were flying uh, from Budapest to Zurich. It was a small plane, small flight. And then from there, I was gonna fly across the ocean into the US, right? It was a small fly- flight flying over the Alps, over the mountains there. Um, and we were just about to land in Zurich. And then the pilot comes on and says, um, we're going to experience some turbulence is not safe to land. We're going to go back up, go across the mountains and land in Zurich from the other side. Now, the plane started to shake really heavily and that turbulence was terrible. I was five months pregnant pregnant with my son, my second kid at the time, and I started to panic, right? Yeah, all I could think was, how can it be safer to grow across the mountains in March. And this, by the way, happened in March in the snow. What if we crash? Nobody will ever find us. This kid in my belly will never see the day of light. And I started to panic. So I did not know what to do. And I started to pray because that's all I was taught early on going back to the formative years. That's what I was taught, right? My grandma took me to church. And that, that's what I, in a hard time, you, you go back to, to you know, what's inside of you. And apparently my prayer got really loud. <laughs> so we eventually made it across the Alps and landed in Zurich on the other side. And when we were on the ground, the flight attendant came over to me and offered me a glass of water because I was apparently very loud and she thought I was in distress. So I asked her, were you not afraid? Like, I I, I panicked. I, I thought we were going to crash. Um, and she said, I trusted the pilot knew what he was doing. And that just kind of, I don't know it's as if the skies opened for me. Like, wow, that that's so profound. And of course she just said that because perhaps she didn't have a choice. And of course she had to trust the pilot, but that to me was, was just that moment, I guess, that uh, that helped me hit my head in the wall and realize, okay, that near crash was really the epitome of what my life was looking like, right? I was heading straight into a crash um, and it was really just a life of going through the motions. Even my father's funeral was just another task on my to-do list, right? It just it came to that, right? Like my father died, and I just treated it as another thing I had to do. And it hit me hard, right? Of course, because now all the emotions came in, and he was gone. I didn't have a chance to say goodbye all of those things, right? And here I am giving my life away to work because I was rushing back to tend to deadlines that I had at work. That was all my life was about, in fact, right? If I think back and think about that. And so in that moment, I um, decided I'm gonna, I have to change, right? This, this cannot continue. So I uh, took some time there to find another way, and there is another level where you can have a big career, but it doesn't come at the sacrifice of your personal life, at uh, your faith, your traditions, everything else that's important to you.
0: You, in explaining your trip, your literal physical journey, have have also provided us with an emotional journey as well like i've really felt the stress and the struggle and the the questions that come up in your mind when you're given that very quick moment in time of like oh my gosh what like literally your life flashing ahead of you in front of your eyes. Like you said, this child is not going to, how am I going to all these questions that are coming up. And as I usually do, I'm scribbling notes down as my guests speak. And some of the things that came up for me in there is the expectations that we sometimes think we have that are maybe not truly placed upon us from external factors. I feel responsible to do my job and maybe my boss played a role in those responsibilities, but depending on who we are and how we prioritize certain things, Same like you, I might put certain things in front of other things because I feel responsible. I have a duty for that one item versus that other item, even though realistically speaking, maybe people don't care so much as to when and how and what I do because they know I'll still get it done, but it's more the pressure that I or we put on ourselves. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit too about realistic versus unrealistic expectations and boundary settings in that way? Were you coming from an environment where you had to meet deadlines and goals and there was an unrealistic amount of work placed on you because there wasn't enough staff? Or did you just were the person who just kept taking on a lot and feeling responsible for all of that? Um, By the way, I'm very glad that you survived that because that would have made me, I would probably had a massive panic attack and, uh, and cause a little bit of mental and physical damage to myself if, if I were yes, necessary. Yes, I'm reason. here, I'm here. Whew, thank goodness, thank <laughs> I goodness.
1: Did. I made it, but yes. Um, and it, it's helpful to understand, yes. And I, uh, you know, worked in the corporate world and, and sometimes those pressures, right? You feel you can't do much about, right? It, it just feels like that. Now, I know on the other side of being on burnout and creating a life that's very different than the one I led before that, I know there is another way. And everything is negotiable. Everything. And everything is also flexible. If you uh, put your mind to it and find creative ways to get it done. Now, yes, there is... a. And there is certain jobs and, and mine was one of those where we did have some deadlines that need, needed to be met and we all have those. Sometimes mine were real, uh, compliance related, right? and And they come with fines and other things like that if they're not met. But even in that environment, was I the only one who could have ever accomplished that? No, the answer is no. Did I think that uh, it was me and there's nobody else that can possibly do it? Yes. At that point in time, I did. Um, Is that a choice we make, right? Or sometimes we don't know we're making a choice, but we are, right? So it's those questions where that's the first step, right? And I, thank you for mentioning earlier on, I did, document my journey. And I've interviewed a ton of other uh, professionals who've been through burnout and found their way out of it. And they're all part of my book. It's called Burnout 901, The Ultimate Guide to Work-Life Balance. And it's on Amazon for anyone who wants to find it. I put that in there, right? The first step to dig yourself out of burnout is truly is to find out who are you all about and what are you all about? What's truly important deep down? Now I say deep down because when I ask people I work with to do that, the first response that comes out uh, are things that the society tells them they should feel are important, or you know the teachers, the parents, the whoever else, has an influence in their life those voices are in their head right so we need to take a little step backwards from that right and dig inside a little bit and really figure out and i have um in fact i have exercises in the book that help you get there and figure out who are you really what's truly important and i'll share just one quick example um i use the um Values example that I borrowed from Brené Brown with permission. Um, and I love Brené Brown. She does amazing work. If we have any fans, put that in in the chat of wherever you're seeing. She's, she's a great um, mentor of mine. So that exercise actually um, took me a little bit by surprise, right? So the exercise asks you to find out what are the two most important things in your life. And she calls them values. Whatever we want to call them, values is a good term for me as well. Um, you know, what are those two things that really guide your life? Um, for me, it was really hard to realize that family was not one of those first two. Right. And surely society and, and parents and everybody else kind of wants you to have that at the top there, right? It, it just, and and I'm a mom as well, and it just kind of didn't sit well, <laughs> But then I realized, right, if you really do the exercise correctly, what I realized was that um, it's family is really part of my one of my other values. That was one of the top two. So my top two are growth and then love. So family really was right underneath love. And it sort of kind of makes sense. But I still felt that stink that it didn't say family. Right. Um, because love is so many other things and it's not just uh, in the family uh, arena, right? It plays a role in the work I do and everything else. Um, So, right? Shed those society expectations and shoulds put those to the side, right? And once you stand in that truth of what's truly important to you, the path ahead is very easy to find. You will know what do you need to do next. Now, I got some help, of course, along the way. um, And I took some coaching and some programs to help me really step up to the next level because my goal was not just to find out how I can live an amazing personal life, which I do and I still want that. But how can I do that and also, ten x my career at the same time, right? Grow my career because I was a younger professional, and like I really wanted to contribute to the world and the skills that I have, put them to good use, and not feel like I have to minimize those to dedicate time to my growing family. Why do we have to choose? And that—that that was my impetus. It, it just kind of irked me inside. Why, as women and moms, why do we have to choose? or feel like we have to downplay one area in a season of our life in order to grow the other one?
0: I have a bunch of lead uh, follow-up questions. The first one was this mindset of if I don't do it, it doesn't get done or it doesn't get done correctly. So everybody out of my way, I'll take over. And like you said, it's a little humbling to say, there are definitely other players in this team. I'm allowed to delegate or whatever it is that I need to do to not have to focus 100% of my energy on 100% of all the tasks of whatever that is, whether it's professional or personal. So that was one of the things that I kind of captured from what you just mentioned. And then as you were discussing the values of, we'll talk about the word balance in a moment, the values of being able to fit everything in, in the essentially 168 hours a week that we have, there's also that humility part too of like, this is the identity that I have prioritized or have thought of myself in so many years of building my business, building my career, building my profession, and then maybe something else feels somewhat secondary to it. But now that has to also have equal time or maybe even more time, especially if you know, you're know you a new parent and you're having to obviously have responsibility over another human being that's something that I think you need deep work for that you have to because I noticed also in your book you mentioned you know write things down and I'm a huge fan of that too it's one thing to go oh yeah I'll just think about this stuff and kind of you know have this as a visualization of some sort but really writing things down and allowing yourself to see what those roles are what that value is how you can even looking at your physical schedule your physical calendar of writing things down in it to get things done is so important because then it becomes real it becomes an Item that gets scheduled into your roles or your whatever your calendar, however you want to determine it. There. Um, so, how did that all come about? Where was the? You know, how did not only just you finally say, "I can," or maybe I have to start re- reconsidering some things? And then, how did you also start working with the population that you're working with now, focusing in mostly on the career building mothers of? the world here that you're working with?
1: As I mentioned, I really wanted to be able to grow my career. And I had a growing family at the same time, young kids that I wanted to feel like I'm there when uh, through those important moments in their lives, but not have to sacrifice my career in the process. So as I mentioned earlier on, what I realized by experimentation is that everything is negotiable everything (laughs) right and there's those areas like even at work you know well you apply into a title i'll give you just that example right and you feel well they already decided that's what it is i'm here to tell you i've negotiated my title three different times um to my advantage everything is negotiable everything (laughs) Right now, you have to go into it with a curious mind and um, not be married to an end result. Because then you're going to um, create and form right an end result that works for both parties. But that's the crux of how you end up really having an amazing personal life that you're present for and that um, you build memories that you can remember, right? Because your mind is there in the moment versus at work or somewhere else, and also have a great career. So now I got to mention that negotiation has to happen on both sides, at home and at work. We all, it tends to be easier for many of the career professionals in our audience To think, yeah, of course, I'll negotiate my salary and I'll talk to my supervisor about my schedule or things like that. Those innately we think can be negotiated. We don't do, I believe, as good of a job of negotiating at home, right? With our spouse, significant other, whoever else is in our life, even kids, to share, first of all. What we want, right, to be present and be able to spend time without having our mind be bogged down by the myriad of things that need to get done in our personal life and professional life. But also, so share, right, share those emotions and share where we are. Sometimes we don't do a good job of that. And then people around us just don't realize the space we're in until it's too late, until we start screaming and yelling and until it's bad. doesn't have to we don't have to get there. But then also realize even there, everything is negotiable and everything is flexible, right? So um, for instance, I'll give you just a concrete example of how this plays out in my life. If we have an event for the kids, Um, Right. Just recently, we went, for instance, to a Broadway show, a kids' Broadway show, Annie was called. Um, And so, when something like that happens, right, there's a lot of steps to get us there getting the tickets and preparing the kids and getting this next and getting the transportation and yada, yada, right? In the past, if we book something like that and then my husband is supposed to get the kids there, I get everything taken care of he literally just drives them there and drives them back which there's nothing wrong with that except the entire mental load of that one thing one event is on me right figuring out everything that needs to happen getting it all done and then he just drives the kids right with a free mind which is great (laughs) men are great at doing that (laughs) as women and especially as moms that we multitask to no end, right? We just kind of feel that's what we do. That's who we are. That's how it goes. And I'm here to tell you, it starts there with the small things, right? And so we flipped the table a little bit and I asked my husband to handle a task from the beginning to the end, right? How about you take care of all of it? and then the other big piece is to be at peace with not having control over it when it does not get done the way you would have wanted done just let it go right there's a process to get there <laughs> that's a big piece right there because that uh, you know feeling of control is good you, you we like that right we got to be able to let it go just delegate have be at peace with however it gets done it got done we it got done and we um, should be able to just
0: okay one thing off my plate. You mentioned Brené Brown. I reference from gosh 1993 I think is when I first started reading the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People about the role that important versus urgent tasks play and thinking win-win. So again, that negotiation process of it's not just I'm getting my way and you're losing something there, but let's find the mutually beneficial end result here. And also kind of considering everyone in your life a stakeholder in that sense. So that's a term we hear a lot of times in business, but it's almost like you need to get buy-in from the humans in your life, especially if you're creating a different environment in there. And I've brought this up in some of the past episodes of there is strength in vulnerability. It's okay to let go. It's okay to allow other people to support you so that you can alleviate that burden from yourself. There can't be quote-unquote balance If there's, like you said, the mental energy and all of the coordination of whatever that task is relies on one person, and then the other person just kind of phones it in or does one thing, and they're like, yay, that's my part, that's my part that I played. So. Again, this could be the undoing of a lot of things that we have been taught to do, whatever role, whether it's women or mothers or whatever role that we were brought up in and having to kind of like unlearn and relearn some things. Um, So I'm not sure if you wanted to continue your thought on there because I want to keep my eye on the time, but I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit, since you did start talking about an example, what is a typical week in the life of you as it is, let's say right now, how are you? managing and handling and balancing all of these things especially since you know the time that and and a lot of the listeners and the people that have been on my podcast are from that wellness space like we you know often tell people how they should manage and what strategies they should give and then we don't necessarily lead and live by example behind the scenes so please share with us a little bit about your behind the scenes.
1: Yes, and I love that because it's it's very helpful to see how it actually plays out day in and day out, right? We sometimes talk about the concepts, which are amazing, but what does that really look like, right, today, right now? So I'll share how I changed my life now from what it was in the past and how what that looks like today. So I work from home. That was the one big change. Of course, the pandemic helped with that. Uh, for a lot of us but he created another thing that can be negotiated right and I also uh, I have several different practices that help me get things done within the time that I um, have or that I want to dedicate to them so for instance one big thing that I got from Amy actually the person who got the two of us together is batching batching is amazing, meaning dedicate a solid amount of time to do a repetitive thing, right? And just uh, cram as much of that task as you can in there so that it covers a period of a month or however long you can do. And that just automates that that certain process. And truly it frees up the mental um, attachments to that task. Right, it's amazing what it does for your mental health. (laughs) When I learned that strategy, it was a a big um, a big difference maker. So there's different things like that. I also have, for instance, on my calendar, a thinking time. So I'm a a nature executive. I lead a big team, and I have a lot of things uh, under my wings. And it's essential that I create time to think literally to think. So I have it blocked on my calendar on Friday. And uh, going back to Amy, I, uh, that I consider that tiger time, right? It's protected. No, but nothing, nobody, nothing goes in there ever, right? Because then I actually have time to regroup and think, okay, what am I seeing out there? What am I hearing from people? What does the business I'm serving a need what sort of trends what programs can i put in place and it becomes if you will a bit of a planning session but i call it thinking time because truly i start that just by dedicating some time to collect my thoughts and then um truly around family so go so that, those are some of the things that revolve around my work and how um, i put some things in place to help me be more proactive and get more done in a short amount of time around my family, I made it a point that I need to be able to drop off the kids in the morning at school and then pick them up from school um, when they get off school and be available to them from when they, from when we get home until uh, shortly before their bedtime. Okay. So that's time dedicated just to them, to connect, to help with, with homework, to um, you know do other events and things like that. Right. So That's also protected time. Now, that means I need to alter my schedule a bit because now I basically have 9 o'clock to 3 p.m. to get everything else in the professional world. And I have a business, side business as well, and everything else in a book and uh, a podcast and everything else done. You'd be surprised, though, um, how much you can get done in a short amount of time if you force yourself if it's blocked down and you know that's that's the time i have um and it also forces you to change some of your mindset okay when before it has to be perfect was kind of the threshold now it's good enough it's going out it's it's off my plate i'm done with it right so it you have to make some adjustments right so i i want to share that for the listeners right if you want work-life balance, the way you're living right now has to change, right? You cannot find that balance. That's why you didn't find it, because it doesn't exist in the way you're living your life right now. In some things need to change and you need to operate at a different level. And the beauty is in experimenting with things, right? There's I don't believe in cookie cutter solutions. We're all very unique and have unique situations at home and every, everywhere else. And so you got to try some things, but you also have to be ready to change because that's the biggest change to change the cray, cray that's going on up here that's no longer serving you.
0: The cray, cray it's very true. I was thinking along the lines of what we consider non-negotiables in our lives. A lot of times people might not necessarily have that and that could be the first thing that gets sacrificed in place of something else that is calling to them. And so when you were talking too about, the think time i i am so grateful especially having grown up being bullied and not having a lot of friends i can't even name probably more than 2 to 5 people that i consider still in my social circle as close friends of mine from my High school and before that, who aren't necessarily related to me, all of my friends are really people I've met in my adult life and through my careers. And so I hold them very near to me. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is I will drop pretty much anything to go running to anybody. And it has cost me a lot of mental uh, energy to do so. And so now what ends up happening is the boundaries that I've set for myself. I don't necessarily feel like I have to explain everything to everyone. If I say I don't have time or I won't be available until whatever, that's just for me to share and that should be okay. But sometimes my friends will say things like, oh, I know you're always so busy or I can't get to see you for three weeks from now. And a part of me is like, yeah, you can't. Because that's maybe two hours out of a week that I have left for myself where I'm not planning or grading or trying to work on a side business or edit. Like I do batching things as well, right? Today is a perfect example. We're on a Friday and I've just did a podcast recording before you and I sat down. And so that's time that I need breathing space. I need time for things just to empty out where I can stare out into the universe and just allow everything to empty out or new things to come in. Like I can invite new creative ideas and just think about stuff. And so, you know, I might feel okay with just shooting off a text or, Sending an email saying, I'm thinking of you, but I can't set aside four hours to make a trip to go visit you and hang out for dinner and then come back and then unwind. I just physically and mentally just can't go through things like that. So I think what you were talking about there, and for any of the listeners who I know, so much of my audience, they're just very ambitious, very spread thin, or a little bit all over the place. It's not It's not a selfish thing to manage your mental energy. And it's okay to say no to things like we were saying before with the boundary setting of not just negotiating with other people, but with yourself as well. And just like you said, being in that mindset of the change has to come with either adding something else that you weren't used to adding in or taking things away that you were used to doing before to allow yourself that breathing room. Because ultimately, just like your value with love, you have to always maybe think about the love that you're giving yourself as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Beautifully said. Thank you.
0: So, Joanna, as we're coming towards the end of our conversation, are there anything, especially related to your book, if there's anything else you want to share that we didn't really cover or didn't get a chance to go into or that I didn't ask? Feel free. Now is your time to share with your the, the listeners here.
1: Sure. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate that. So you can find me in my Facebook group. It's called the Luminate Burnout. Um, It's a free group. So I'd invite whoever would like to learn a new way of living and and have a community there that's helping you find those boundaries and new strategies and solutions. uh, Feel free to join me. And then we um, have raffles and whatnot of the book. And we have experts uh, coming to the group as well. We do interviews in there. Um, So uh, stop by, check us out. Um, I'd love to support you if if you need it. Other than that, the book is obviously available on Amazon um, and you can find it uh, very easily. Just type Burn Up 911. It's going to be right there at the top. Um, And I share a lot of my journey there and the the specific strategies that I've used and what other uh, professionals out there who are just like you and I, and even some big names, uh, people who supported celebrities and um, colonels in the army and other people who have a big career, uh, a lot more pressure and a lot more, right? What have they done to change things around? It's helpful to uh, to see those examples, right? And see, first of all, that you're not alone, and unfortunately, burnout is a little way to spread out there these days. But that too, other people have gotten out of it and there is another way.
0: I I will be including links to all the things in the show notes here for sure because I find so much value in what you're providing. Will you share with us a little bit and as much or as little as you want to, what the future you entails? What are some things that you're working on, growing, scaling, or other interests that you might have? Sure, so right now I do a lot of uh,
1: implementation workshops in the corporate world. And those tend to be the moms who are growing their careers and have or have a big career right now who want to learn those strategies. So um, if your employer or you'd like me to come over, just let me know, reach out. I, I'm doing those on a more wide scale. Um, and then um, I have on the horizon a couple different challenges, right, to get people to think a little bit differently and find their own customized way to live a beautiful life and have a big career at the same time. So I'm, I'm doing those inside the group there. It's called the Ultimate Work-Life Balance as the community I have on Facebook. Um, And so join us there. I also am working on putting together a course that would go a little bit deeper in the framework that I have in the book and provide a lot more hands-on and really hand-holding. Sometimes it's helpful to have that community and that coach who gets you right out of it and has been there already and can share what's ahead and what's stopping you sometimes it's hard to see that for yourself because it's again it's up here we change all the external world all we want until we kind of change our mentality it doesn't happen and it's hard to see that for yourself sometimes so reach out if i can support i would be honored to help
0: like we said before, there's strength and vulnerability, but there's also a need for support with things. We're, we're here to do anything. And there's a lot of different things and ways that you can do it. You know, sometimes, yes, you're going to be investing a little bit more money, time and energy in something a little bit more long-term and heavy. Other times it might just be check-ins with people. Again, that camaraderie, that group setting, hearing conversations, knowing that you're not alone could be good enough right now for whatever it is that you need. So I appreciate all of the resources that you provided with us, Joanna. And so my last two questions are, What is on your plate today? We're currently wrapping up our conversation on Friday afternoon. What are you planning on doing with the rest of your day or weekend? And then what is the next meal that you're having? Because I do love to hear what people like to eat.
1: How about we start with the food first? That seems fun. (laughs) I love spinach and this is kind of springtime where we're leading into uh, the spring. And I try to bring some of those greens into the house as much as I can and kind of eat around the season we're in. Um, That makes things and shopping easier and cheaper, first of all, but it also is just the natural way for our body that that we've been used to and and created for. So spinach is what's for dinner (laughs) today. Um, And then in terms of what's professionally I guess on my plate um, is a challenge that I'm preparing that's coming up next month how you take your career to the next level and your life at the same time we've talked about that but that's truly how do you really do that right how do you do that practically so that challenge is is live and really has you implement the steps I share with you and see how your life is changing right there in a few days and I'm so excited because it's amazing to see the transformations you can create in people's lives with sometimes small changes so I'm excited about that uh, putting all of that together and I look forward to seeing anyone who might be interested happy to help support you
0: Yeah. I want to speak on that for a second too, just as far as implementing change. It doesn't have to be these, you know, really in-depth, crazy things that you're trying to go from zero to 60, or like in the case of sometimes when I work with my own clients, I'm like, don't go in your kitchen and just start like throwing everything out and like saying, I'm just going to start buying organic and eating, you know, whole foods. And I'm just like, start with these small incremental things, you know, make one tiny decision maybe start meal planning a couple of meals a week, maybe start taking a little bit more time in the grocery store to read and smell and look and try to brainstorm some things. And just like you mentioned, when you have action steps, but then you actually execute the plan, the reward is in seeing the results and being able then to use that, not just as I've said this before in a lot of the episodes, not just as motivation, but as a commitment To yourself, because we might not always feel motivated to do something or inspired to do something, but when we allow ourselves to prioritize and to commit to something that we want to do, a change to be made, or setting up a boundary, or adjusting our lifestyle in some way, I think that really becomes the true testament of what we promise and what we prioritize. So, Joanna, thank you so much. I can't believe how much information I got to learn from you in an hour and change. I'm so grateful for your time spent with me. I look forward to continuing this conversation down the line and crossing paths with you in many different ways in the future. And I wish you absolutely all the best because what you're putting out in the world is definitely what we need. So I'm excited to see where all of this goes.
1: It's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite.
0: Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina. And I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast leave a review and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again.